Hello, thank you for listening to this podcast. My name is Stephen Cook from the Northmore Team Ministry in Devon, and this is a talk for the second Sunday of Advent. It's based on the open Luke chapter 3. In the 15th year of the reign of the Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip ruler of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis, and Lysanias ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Those aren't at first sight the most inspiring words in the New Testament, especially if you have to read them at a carol service, being so full of strange and hard-to-pronounce names. But they're verses which give me a tingling feeling, and I want to tell you why. Luke was an historian. He says at the beginning of his Gospel, that he wants to give an ordered account of the life of Jesus, and has obviously set about putting together all the different fragments and stories about Jesus that were around into some sort of coherent order. He likes to set events in their proper time and place. And so as he begins his account of the ministry of Jesus, he goes to great trouble to place it in the exact historical context. As you can imagine, scholars have had great fun with this list of names. A great deal of ink has been spilled, and doubtless one or two learned theses written around these verses. But from it all, Luke has emerged as a very creditable and accurate historian. Although some of these people are obscure, they did exist, and Luke's account has been vindicated. Ours is an historical faith. Unlike some other faiths and philosophers, we don't simply celebrate ideas. We celebrate and rejoice in what God has done. The Jewish faith on which ours is founded is centred on the saving acts of God in history. The Passover, the parting of the Red Sea, the entry into the Promised Land. The Jewish people have a very strong sense of this is who we are because this is what God has done through us and for us. They believe that the celebration of history is the cement which holds a community together. And the Christian faith has the same emphasis. We believe in Jesus who taught things, who revealed things, but supremely we believe in Jesus who did things. That at a certain time and a certain place, in the context of human history, God acted. We believe that the death and resurrection of Jesus are not nice, just nice ideas which show us something about the nature of eternity, but that they did something to change the very nature of that reality, something which affected the relationship between God and creation and which determines the eternal destiny of us all. The Jewish people have been expecting God to act for centuries. The prophets have foretold it, that there would be another prophet like Moses who would deliver them, that Elijah would come again, that the Messiah would come. There were different understandings of what should be expected, and so much time had elapsed that the expectation that something really would have happened must have dipped quite low at times. But now Luke is saying that at a particular time and place, when certain people were in positions of power. God acted again, as God had done in the past, and the word of the Lord came to John in the wilderness. This is important for us because there is a school of thought around, which is very shy of the idea that God acts in history. It's as if God, having created the universe and established the rules by which it works, is powerless to intervene. Everything has to follow an inevitable pattern of cause and effect. And God can only watch from the outside while his people suffer. A few years ago, I was listening to a debate on the radio about prayer. 
they'd invited a bishop and an agnostic. The bishop's diocese had been badly affected by the flooding, and he was asked if he thought it was legitimate to pray for good weather. They'd obviously set it up to be a disagreement, but, surprise, surprise, the bishop and the agnostic found themselves in agreement. No, said the bishop, he wouldn't pray for an end to bad weather, because he didn't believe God acted in that kind of way. It was the sort of thing we used to believe, and that was why it was in the old prayer book, but now science had taught us new things. We no longer believe in a God who intervenes in that kind of way. Now, I'm slightly paraphrasing what he said, and perhaps it's not fair when he's not around to defend himself, but that is not a Christian understanding of God, at least it's not my understanding of God. We believe that God has fundamentally intervened in the death and resurrection of Jesus, and that those events changed the world forever. If you go to modern-day Capernaum, you can visit the excavations of the old synagogue. It's a second-century synagogue, but it's built on the foundations of an older one, and they've uncovered the first-century floor. In John's Gospel, just after Jesus has delivered his I am the bread of life speech, John comments, he said this as he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. Because the person addressing the synagogue would stand in a certain place, it is possible now to go and stand on the very same piece of ground that Jesus would have stood upon 2,000 years ago. Jesus was not just an idea. He was a real man who lived in a real time and a real place. In a certain time, in a certain place, while the rest of the world was getting on with its ordinary business, God acted. One of the consequences of thinking that God doesn't act in the world is that we imagine it's all down to us, that if we don't do it, no one will. But John's message is that our task is simply to prepare the way for God to act, to open the doors, to prepare the road, to be channels along which the grace of God can flow into the world. That was John's message. God is about to do something. Get yourselves ready. Wake up out of sleep. Be baptised. Believe. Repent. Change your ways. God is a God of action. And you should be people of action ready when he comes. He gives the picture of building a road. In those days, if a king went to visit the provinces, his subjects would often build a road for him so that his royal personage would not be too shaken by being transported over the rough and ready roads of the day. Potholes were filled in, bridges were built. It had the advantage, of course, that the road remained long after the royal visit was over. The king is coming, said John. Your task is to make ready for him. Put your lives in order, repent and be baptised. In just a few days' time, we will be celebrating Christmas. And I imagine you're up to your eyeballs in preparations at the moment. I expect that is why John the Baptist is always remembered at this time of year. Because in the midst of preparations to celebrate the first coming of Christ, we're reminded that we should always be ready for God to come. That we should always be building that road, preparing the way. How do we do that? Well, John's message was simple. Repent and be baptised. Repenting means more than going through a form of words on a Sunday morning. It comes from a root which means to turn around, to change direction. It starts in the heart and it shows itself in action. You can only be baptised once, but the idea of making a public statement about what you believe for all to see is something you can repeat. We tend to be very private about what we believe, and standing up and being counted can be a blessing to us 
as well as to others. Repent. We are not the helpless prisoners of who we are and what we've done. We can take charge of our lives. We can turn around and be forgiven. That's why people flocked out to hear John in the wilderness, because although he was a strange character with a somewhat stern and austere message, it was also a message of hope. The king is coming and it's possible to be ready for him when he comes. It's possible to put your house in order, to repent, and as a sign of that to be baptised. So as we move on through Advent and the panic levels rise as Christmas gets closer, take time to hear the message of Advent. King is coming. What is there about your life that needs to change? Because it is possible by God's grace. And we can not only be ready ourselves to meet him, but by being ready, we can help make a highway for God to work in the world. May God bless this word to us. Amen.